0: me later hey everyone this is shirley king with another episode and it's actually episode one of season two when women speak binding leading and leaving with her voice thank you so much for joining me for the first episode in season two when women speak is sponsored by life on power in the brand what if she knew she was powerful Our guest for episode one, season two is just as much fire as our guest for season one, but we're going to take it up a notch, just a little bit for season two. We have Maureeniki Williams. She is a lawyer, a coach, an entrepreneur, and a speaker who has successfully navigated roles in the private sector as well as in the entrepreneurial realm. Maureeniki has worked at the top five law firms in the United States and in London. In addition to all of that, Maureeniki is also the founder of ReVision Coaching, a woman owned and led company that provides tailored coaching and solutions to help unleash the greatness that already exists inside of you. You know, we talk all the time about you already have everything you need. So this is perfect alignment for when women speak. Moroniki empowers lawyers and leaders to redefine what success means to them so that they can build a life of of their dreams without sacrificing their health, their peace, or time with their family. Moroniki is an executive coach to leaders and teams of Fortune 100 companies top 20 law firms, nonprofit organizations, and more. I'm telling you, we bring in the fire in this episode one for season two. Moroniki, welcome to When Women Speak.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate you having me. I'm like, yes, for the kickoff of season two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am here for it. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Moriniki, we're going to get right into this. What I do know about you, Moriniki, is that man, you're going to have some gems to drop for <laughs> all of the for all of this discussion right here, ladies and gentlemen. The wisdom that that Moriniki encompasses, you will hear it. So, Moriniki, what does it mean for you when you hear the statement, "Find her voice"? Ooh, yeah, you
1: coming out the gate with it? <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> I think for me, it really speaks to getting clear on my identity and who I am, you know, because who you are at your core, like that person has a voice that like we call like your inner child, your inner being, but like they have a voice. And I think that and I'll say for me, my entire life, I feel that like there were times when I didn't have a voice. And so it was figuring out like who I am. And that required me, I think it's really kind of shutting out the noise, and so you don't even realize how much noise you're ingesting, how many opinions, how many perspectives. And yes. so like, it wasn't even me talking after a while. It's just like everything that's been put on me or put in me that I'm just kind of the the mouthpiece for, for lack of better phrasing. And so I think it was getting clear, like, who am I? Who am I if I take away the title of lawyer? Who am I if I'm not living in London? Who am I, like, other than just, like, this person's friend or, you know, my mom's daughter? Like, who am I fundamentally and foundationally? And, like, that's, that, that, when I figured out who that person was and I got firmly, just, my feet firmly planted there, I was like, oh, she, she has a voice and she has things to say. And so I didn't have to find the voice. It was evident and it was immediate once I found the person the voice was attached to. Did
0: I tell y'all it was going to be fire? (laughs) And more, Nikki, when I I talk about the alignment, you just said something about who you are at your core. If you didn't have a title, you weren't Mm -hmm. living in London, right? And I often say the phrase that it's very important that we really, in our lives, lean into our calling versus our our skill. Mm -hmm. And you just literally defined what that is. But you said, who you are at your core is where your voice resides. That's what Mm I think.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely, 100%.
0: So it was. it's mute until you get to that point because it's there, right?
1: It's always there. It's always there and it's always speaking. But I think that you have to get to a point where you've attuned your ear to hear it. And so when you're not connected to it, when you're not focused on it, it can be like a little bit of a whisper. And when you get to the other side and you get that perspective, you like, snap, that was you talking all along. Like I- <laughs> I heard it, but I didn't recognize the voice. It's like when my mom calls me, I recognize the voice and I move accordingly. Like you have a black mama, you move. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, but if you don't recognize the voice that's calling you, you don't move with that same urgency and with that same gusto. And so I had to get that, that ear recognition piece to it.
0: Mm, that ear recognition piece. So you had to recognize the voice as well. Yes,
1: yes, Hmm. yes. Because I think that's where we trip ourselves up is that we're searching as though it's not already there, that it doesn't already exist, that it's not already calling. It wants to be found.
0: It's mm-hmm. not like
1: it's it's not actually like we think about that game of hide and go seek. Like it's actually that kid who's standing out in the middle of the yard, like not realizing how to play the game. Like it's there. It wants to be found. But we're not always intentionally looking for it. And, and because there's something to be said about when you have to face you, when you have to find you like that's hard work. That's hard work. We're not always ready to look in the mirror. So
0: when you have to face you, when you have to find you. Mm-hmm. So we're there and we know that our voice already was there at the core of who we are. So Morniki, my next question um, that i like for you to share with the audience is, can you share when you had a voiceless experience? Just one? <laughs> one, two, whatever we need to share to, yeah. for the subject of us, making sure that we amplify mm-hmm. our voices, we have to recognize when we were voiceless
1: and when we are voiceless. Yeah, no, it's it's a really good question. And and I say that in just, just like when you work in corporate America, I think as a woman first, there were times when you feel and I have felt voiceless. But then adding that layer of being a black woman, I feel like I've been voiceless many times. And for me, when I hear that, it speaks to when I felt silenced when I felt that that true voice and my true perspective wasn't valued or that there wasn't space Mm. made and room made at the table for it to, for me to take up space. It was, it was Mm. the idea that like there is an expected kind of path and way that you show up and there's a box. And now if your natural personality and, the way that your style is and the way you emote fits in that box, then you're able to successfully navigate comfortably. But if that's not your default and that's not how you naturally move through this world, like I had to fit in a way that I I was taught from whether it's your peers, whether it's uh, supervisors. This is the path to success. This is how you need to speak. This is how you need to show up. And so I was doing that and it felt almost like I was a marionette, like at times like a puppet, you know, like I was just being driven by what other people told me to say and how they told me to show up. And there wasn't room for Morniki's perspective. If that was different than like the prevailing kind of law of the day, if it, if it went against the grain, I needed to keep it to myself. And that's stifling. I have lots of opinions. <laughs> I have lots of perspectives. <laughs> and and I think that there is a discontentment that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. And there's a shrinking. And so to me, part of being voiceless is shrinking and being small. And it again goes back to making myself small to fit in spaces and places that I was tolerated but not celebrated. And I say that I had objective success, but not the me I am at my core, the me I projected because that was what was expected. Come on, Mm -hmm. bars, that wasn't even Mm -hmm. intentional. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Not the me I am, but the me that was expected. Mm-hmm. Wow! You talk about fitting in, right? You talk mm-hmm. about fitting in something that was really too small for you. Yeah. And so the uncomfortability of that itself it drowns out that mm-hmm. inner core that voice because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it has nowhere to go. It's uncomfortable. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's also even just like, it's the focus piece, I think, is what comes up for me. Because when you are in a space that's uncomfortable, my focus is on how do I miss, like, how do I minimize this discomfort? So I'm not worried about what this voice over here is saying. I'm like, okay, I do this, do this, because that's going to make this the most comfortable experience for me. And when you're in a situation long enough, it becomes your norm. And so Mm -hmm. at some point, you forget that you are even uncomfortable. You're like, I'm just supposed like this is how it is meant to feel like when I worked at law firms and I'm working till, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning doing all nighters. That was the norm. So when I left and I'm like, wait, people actually go to happy hour (laughs) or people are doing, you know, this like it. My world, it was normal to work those kind of hours. It was Mm -hmm. not only expected, but expected. And so your perspective starts to um shift and adapt to what that day-to-day is. And that's why it's important for us to be intentional about what yeah. we're feeding ourselves. Again, if that environment is for you and that's where you flourish and that's where you are meant to be, that's one thing. When it's not, honoring that it's not and being okay making the necessary like shifts and pivots.
0: Absolutely. And even in that type of environment where you say this is you you've decided, made a decision, this is where I want to be, this is where I want to thrive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you're still in the midst of, yep. um, especially being a black woman, more more times than ever minimizing your voice. Mm-hmm. There's something very clear focusing you focus on minimizing your voice instead of. For me, what I heard was, "How did you contribute wholly?" Because see, I'll, you know being a, a person in HR for so long, been <laughs> thinking about. What is the best environment and culture for an individual to give us all the talent that we ask for in this employer and employee contract? Mm-hmm. What's the best culture? What's the best environment? But if I'm focusing on minimizing my voice, I can't give you even all the talent I actually have because exactly I'm on that.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so true. And I think that's the piece around that we miss. So when we talk about having diverse environments and the importance of having diversity, people, it becomes this divisive topic and, and people miss it. It's like, it's perspective. It's bringing that color and that context to the conversation that because of your experiences, you can't speak to. So if you are someone who is a male, you can't speak to my experience as a woman. And so you need to kind of make room for that so that you're not it's, it's narrow. And I think that's the way we have to think about, like, there was an established practice and approach that was predominantly male and white male at that. And so that's, there was a style. Mm -hmm. And so we are a lot of us initially like over in the room. So we need to just fit into that style. And now you see the shift of people like, how can we find more of a balance where we're not completely saying this is wrong, but we're recognizing that that fits certain personalities and we want other personalities. And I think that sometimes when I, I hear about DEI, and even as I've participated in it, where we miss it is that there has to be a willingness to be disruptive and to push people past their comfort. And that's where I think a lot of companies stop. And so Absolutely. that whole voice piece is like, mm, I'm going to advocate for this. But when too many people vocalize that they are uncomfortable with our emphasis on, you know, minority recruiting or this and that, then I'm going to pull back. And true change only comes from disruption. And we need our voices to be disruptors.
0: Absolutely. And you said that that last word, and I only need to say the word, is the uncomfortability of folks that just are not used to having to contribute with diverse voices, within Mm -hmm. diverse voices. And the disruption is saying that we're going to teach you how, because this is going to happen.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's
0: it. I told y'all she was bringing the fire. (laughs) Didn't I say that?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. But, I mean, I can give you a specific example, or if you want to pivot, we can go on to something else.
0: um, if, if Maramiki, I want you to share what it is that that our audience were here that were also they're hearing this, We're creating some strategy out of it. We have somebody mm-hmm. that was put in a d e d n i space, and it's not what they thought it would be. So mm-hmm. hearing your voice says, mm, I might be able to do it this way. So I'd like for you to share,
1: yeah. So I think that, you know, two things. One, where I felt voiceless in a particular DE&I, DE&I experience was where I was one of a few actual minorities in the room. Mm-hmm. And the prevailing perspectives were to define diversity in the most broad manner. And mm-hmm. everyone is diverse relative to someone else. So mm-hmm. like, this is just facts, but mm-hmm. what are we striving towards? What is the result and the outcome that we are driving? And there was this constant kind of minimizing and dismissive um, tone as it related to when we raised specific issues around um, the minority lens, the minority perspective, again, because it, it made other people uncomfortable who didn't have that racial diversity component. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just important to, to one, share that, to um, encourage people that like, you're not alone if you're in a situation where you feel that people are not ready or interested in hearing your perspective. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we had to do was um, kind of talk to some of those individuals separately Mm -hmm. to express using that relational kind of component and that relational intelligence and saying, and use I. So that's another thing that I feel like from a strategic perspective Mm -hmm. is not always going in and like this is what you know you need to do or this is how you know you came up. It's like you know, hey, I just wanted to share with you that in the moment in that meeting, I really experienced feeling unheard. Because while I feel that you might have been looking to relate, how it landed for me is that my experiences weren't given the space to breathe, and so looking for um, comparison really cut off just giving my experience the space to say that happened and she might have experienced pain from that how can we look to solution for other people who look like her who work here and so it there was a rush i felt to find a point where it applied Mm -hmm. to everyone and Mm -hmm. that that misses the intersectionality piece all the time Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think I think that they received it and that yes. some changes were made accordingly. Um, so I think strategically, it's still using my voice. I, I I had to look at the setting and find ways to talk to some of those people, because some people aren't ready to be challenged publicly. And, you know, not everyone is ready to receive constructive feedback in an open forum, but it still had to be said.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that full experience in that scenario um, and giving some of our viewers responses that they can use when that happens to them. Um, the word, and if you haven't heard the word, you will never do anything when you're talking <laughs> to someone or a meeting, like, so viewers, yeah. like <laughs> It doesn't work. And I don't care who you are, what race you are, what gender yeah. you are. You sounds like you're attacking someone mm-hmm. every time. And let's be clear, when you do have that one-on-one conversation, everyone comes to that table with their biases and their different experiences. When they say, I didn't realize it, most of the time that's true. If they yeah. really haven't had that particular interaction with anyone but people that look like them mm-hmm. and grew up in a family that only talked about people that look like them and they did things that way, they're telling the truth. So we can't immerse them thinking that we dip them in to one, <laughs> and they got it. Like they went yeah. to one meeting and they got it. So, and, and I'm just saying, this, you know, it was a, a, a always that discussion all mm-hmm. the time uh, with someone you know knocking on my door. I thought we were supposed to be doing this, and so, and so. <laughs> um, we had a, we had a whole training last week. I know, but that person has had 40
1: years of training. <laughs> just like you. Cause that's the thing you have to think about. Like you've had 40 years of lived experience. They do too. It's just yeah. different one. And so how like you're looking to help them unlearn some things or discover the impact of some things that at this point are automatic. It's muscle memory. And, and that requires a level of grace. And it sucks at times. Cause you're just like, why don't you get it? Like, let's be honest. I, I get tired of like, are, why are you not learning these things? Like I feel like you are actively seeking to remain uninformed on this topic, but that doesn't help. And so I have to find grace, but also accountability. It's a balance. I do share a list with people of certain references that I would love for them, and I invite them to, to lean into. So when people ask me about certain topics, it's, it's kind of like, hey, I'd be happy to have a conversation. I'd ask that you check out these articles first, and then let's discuss after you've read them.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing is you're allowing them to kind of immerse in that in their own way. Mm-hmm. So you're not saying come to a book club and let me you digest <laughs> yep. it. Those mm-hmm. that I really want to, and let's be clear, just like all of us, there are some things we're just not going to want to do. And that's- <laughs> some are just not going to want to even do it and even want to immerse themselves. But those mm-hmm. that really want to, they're going to still get it wrong sometimes after they read the book, after they looked at the list, after they had conversations, they still going mm-hmm. to get it wrong sometimes. Um, yep. But giving them grace to apologize and do it again and do it right and learn from that, that is how we're going to really begin to really take that needle and point mm-hmm. and go from just a quarter, a little bit of the, yep. to the half point.
1: Yeah.
0: Because we yeah. got a long way to go.
1: We do. We do.
0: And so, Nikki, you and my next question, actually, you did give us a little bit about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but with your experience, your um, impact and influence that you've had, mm-hmm. can you share with the audiences an experience where you were leading with your voice. You you had the mic, you had the the impact in order to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. Can you share an experience or a, a, a experience outright where you walk in the room, maybe with the Thinking that you need to minimize minimize your voice But you were able to pivot And lead with your voice anyway mm. Whatever you like to share And experience leading with your voice
1: Yeah definitely I think that for me There's a couple Like me leading with my voice Was me Believing that I was enough And that my perspective Needed to be heard And so I showed up with a level of confidence that was different than other times, I didn't ask for permission, like for permission to share my perspective. I assumed that it was it deserved space, and so I shared it. And so I think that was pivotal, yeah. and that's when I started leading. And so I think for me, um, there's certain meetings where there's a lot of senior leaders in there, and there can be, I think, this unspoken, you know, you kind of like depending on where you are in the pecking order, you need to be quiet or this and that. Mm -hmm. But then there's this almost like you play spades, this trump card, where if you the person with the knowledge, you have to be willing to share that perspective. Uh And so there was a conversation that was happening. You know we just see something, and it's just like, "Oh, this is just going downhill." And when someone asked me the question, um they asked a question actually wasn't to me. And I could see the person was struggling. I was like, actually, um, would you mind if I if I share some thoughts because it reminds me of something that I was discussing the other day? So, and they were just like, "Oh yes," and I could tell that they were really grateful I jumped in, but I also <laughs> did it in a way where it wasn't like saying like I know you don't know," and it tied to an ongoing conversation. And then I just spoke like, "Here's what you know. I'm thinking. Here are some of the roadblocks and challenges. I'd love to invite other people's thoughts on this. Like, is there something that you would add to that?" Like, no, that's like spot on. And that covers this and this. And so I found like when you have the knowledge, and even sometimes when you don't, but it's like when you when you have the knowledge, I think that there's an unction to speak. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we are nervous about it, because we don't want to be wrong. And, and like, we don't want to look foolish. But I guarantee you that like, even when I've been wrong, I've been closer to right. And that's not like, an arrogant thing because we all make mistakes Mm -hmm. it's just that like but what you shared there was a lot in there that needed to be added to the conversation Mm -hmm. and dialogue or maybe it asked a question that then led to another question and so I started raising my hand more I started speaking up more I started inquiring more because my perspective um, and my curiosity it 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 pivoted the glass. It changed the the perspective of the conversation. Like I like to think about. So I still watch Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if everybody. So I'm I'm a die hard Grey's Anatomy fan. And and one of the things that I love that they've done over the years is they've given cast members an opportunity to direct. And in particular, a number of the women cast members. And so one of the things that I loved is there's an episode where Dr. Bailey is on the first date with like Dr. Ben Warren and I I couldn't figure out the moment like why I just love this episode so much aside from the fact that I just love that Dr. Bailey was getting her boo piece, but that that's like, that's separate. And, and then it hit me. And once they said like there was um the woman, I think it actually might've been her who directed it. And it was because the perspective of the camera and everything it was taking in when she was in his ap- apartment were things that I would have wanted to see. Ah. It's like, ooh, looking at like he has the flowers checking out the wine. Oh, he has a cam- like an opener. Like it was just the details. Yeah. And so I realized that, like, we bring a different kind of. Detail-oriented nature. Like women, we just we're plugged in and we just notice all of the things. And when we don't speak up, when we don't use our voice, what may seem trivial and small, like, can be something that ends up raveling You do, a thread is small. You pull mm-hmm. a thread, but it can mm-hmm. unravel the entire garment. And yes. so, I think that for me, um, it's a it's a coming back full circle. The moment when I spoke up. And it was also how I felt when I did it. So I think when you first do it, it's not about being fearless. It's about being courageous. So acting in spite of the nerves and the fear. But I felt I felt grounded and I felt powerful and empowered when I spoke and I led with my voice and I trusted what I had to say. And so I wanted to feel that again. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, that felt, you know, I kind of like that. And so, and the more you do it, it's a muscle. The more you Mm -hmm. do it, the more you exercise leading with your voice. I do believe it becomes more automatic. That's not to say that even now, as I am more confident leading with my voice, I don't still have moments where I'm like, Ooh, and I want to shrink, but I recognize it. And then I, And then I kind of assess like what triggered me, what's happening around me that is bringing out this shrinking sensation. And I need to unpack that, whether that's with therapy or that's just in the moment. And and so it's a constant unearthing process that I think that we need to go through, but it's worth it.
0: Verneke, that was phenomenal because we talk about your voice that's already there at your core. And then we talk about that courageous moment Mm-hmm. When when you say and, and I and, and I a part of what you did or what you do is what I teach in my When Women Speak training program with companies that are including women in the room, but they don't realize that they're not inviting her to contribute in the room. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you did lead with your voice, you, you made sure that the person who couldn't talk was included and everybody else was included after you contributed. Hey, not sure if anyone else have any thoughts around Mm -hmm. that. So you invited them to contribute as well. And you said something that I wrote down here and it says, even when, I'm sorry, even when you don't have the exact answer to whatever that question is, Mm -hmm. you still push the room closer to a solution Mm -hmm. that will fill a conversation from what you contributed. Yeah, that was so clear. And I never had a statement around that when I began. Same thing. When you get that feeling, you're gonna keep doing it the first time. It was like like, like, I took us to the air, I took us to the air. We came out everything with some strategy, you know. And it started with what I contributed in that room itself. Mm -hmm. So, So that's for everyone listening that's still in that teetering space of I don't have a voice at the table. have something to contribute, that's why you're there. That doesn't mean it's going to solve the whole problem at the table, but you add to the solution when you do that. Yes. More and Nikki, more and Nikki. Oh, this has (laughs) been wonderful. I know I'm like, time just flying. I know. But I got to get this respected from you. So Mm -hmm. every guest, when I ask this question, Every guest has had a different answer, and it has been phenomenal for every guest. I have to say, and so no it, pressure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you see how she just set me up, y'all. She like it's been phenomenal. Take it, y'all. She yeah. can
0: <laughs> the statement leaving with her voice it can convey various meanings.
1: Mm-hmm. But Morini,
0: I like to know what does the phrase leaving with your voice convey for you?
1: Mm. Some good, some good questions here, Shirley. <laughs> uh, I think leaving with my voice speaks to me about leaving whole and intact. And so, you know, when I opened, I talk about, I talked about the fact that, you know, my voice is connected to, my true self and my core. And so if I'm leaving with my voice, whether it's on my own terms or someone shooing you out the door, that my being is whole. I haven't shrunk and let myself beat down to the point that I'm whimpering, that I'm no longer willing to kind of speak and to, and to share and to stand confidently. Um, I think that the voice is simply just an expression and manifestation of the internal state. And Mm -hmm. so when I'm leaving with my voice, I'm leaving with that internal state still intact, still confident, still being able to share authentically, but in a persuasive manner. And so I think those are the things that come up for me because if I didn't let you silence me while I was there, I'm not going to let you silence me while I'm walking out the door. And and I just, I want to be clear, like this is also not, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to people, because some people hear that this is not a blank check for people who haven't developed EQ and to say that you can just speak with no level of professionalism or filter. That's not what I'm saying. Like there is, a finesse that you have to apply in certain things. That's not about a lack of authenticity. It's just turning the volume up or down. The way I talk, you know, when I'm at, out with my friends is not the way I'm going to necessarily speak in the boardroom. Both yeah. are still me. They're just yeah. different aspects. And so I just wanted to to clarify that because sometimes people be like, yes, they said that I can just, you know, no, 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 no. <laughs> we did not say that on the women. Little- <laughs> we did not say say that. Yeah, yeah. But I think that 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 really is. It's it's protecting that voice so that you have a voice to actually accompany you out the door.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for undergirding that with a healthy level of EQ. Um, I don't think there's anyone that has ever asked about. Um, me mentoring them or um, getting some advice for them or I do not recommend EQ and in, I in, yeah. in and that help that they need that for communication. I don't think in the workplace anyone can really do it at a level that keeps them whole without healthy EQ.
1: They cannot. They try. Mm-hmm. They try. But, you know, they when you're broken, you end up cutting other people. You do. And so there's a lot of broke pe- broken people who are cutting people and bleeding on people and cutting themselves because of their emotional state. And so we really need to focus on being whole.
0: Because we're human,
1: not yes. because we're wrong.
0: There's yes. something wrong with us simply because we're human. Yes. Marniki, what are your last words for the When Women Speak audience?
1: Do the work. Do the work to get clear on who you are. And and fall in love with that person, like, and 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 don't like I say get clear on who you are because the world will try to teach you you're someone else. And especially the closer you get to walking in your purpose and and doing the thing that you were meant to do, there's always going to be something that comes up and says that you should be doing something else. And mm-hmm. and so you have to get a level of conviction and clarity and grounding in that identity. So that even when you have doubts, you can come back to it and you're anchored to that. And so it's like, do the work, whether that's it's a combination of self-reflection and maybe a combination of therapy. I am team therapy. I believe in it. I'm a proponent of it. And I think that, you know, even just as a believer, challenging the idea that you can't be a believer and also go to therapy. I think that they go hand in hand. I'm like, my therapist is doing the Lord's work. (laughs) (laughs) You've happened to me work on me. Exactly. So, so do the work. It's not fun, but it's worth it. You know, because again, the me who I am now and who can speak with a level of confidence is because I'm grounded in my my identity, and that is irrespective of needing external confirmation of that. Like I'm clear who I am now. If you're like, oh, you fire," I'd be like, "Thank you," and it feels good to hear. But even if you don't say it, I'm still going to believe that about myself.
0: When women speak, audience. Those closing words from Niki Williams take that to the bank. Go ahead and go ahead and rewind it right now. So you can <laughs> go ahead. I know you want to. Go ahead. <laughs> this has been episode one for season two of When Women Speak, finding, leading, and leading with
1: her voice.
0: More how do we contact you? How does the audience get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, so you can you can either go through my website which is um revisioncoaching.com or on IG I'm at the moriniki williams, same thing on Facebook at the moriniki williams and LinkedIn it's it's under my name. So any of those platforms would be a great way to connect with me and I look forward to being in touch.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you coming every week for When Women Speak, Fighting, Leading, and Leaving with Her Voice, sponsored by Life on Power and the brand What If She Knew She Was Powerful.
1: Thank you for listening to the When Women Speak podcast. Now on the Live Podcast Network.